Welcome back to Telegnosis and Tea. I'm your host, Tess, and now I have my whole tea collection here, so my teas are going to get way more interesting. Except I totally forgot to grab a tea before I started recording, so... Oops. I also have an announcement. I have a Patreon now. It's very fun. There's a lot of different awards or rewards or whatever it is for donating. So that's patreon.com slash telegnosis and tea, or you can search telegnosis and tea and join our Patreon family. There's going to be a whole bunch of different rewards and rewards start at $1 or rewards start at one fifty, somewhere around there. I don't know. It was whatever Patreon said was the base thing that I could do. I apologize because I have been missing for a couple of weeks now. Um, I will not apologize for having mental health issues, but I will apologize for the sudden absence. Um, This episode is going to be dedicated to a friend who passed away during that time. I have it written down that you were the goodest of dudes, and we will have a D&D character in our league for you when that is a thing again. On happier news... Get Rich Nick podcast followed my Instagram today, and I screamed, so that was awesome. Thank you, Nick Turner and Nick Vaderot. And yeah, so getting into today's story, uh, the story is scarier than most stories we cover and has caused people to become upset and have anxiety. It's not necessarily graphic, but the legend surrounding this doll is if you have negative experiences with the supernatural, perhaps this episode is not for you because people have said that after listening to or reading about this doll, they've had negative experiences in their life. So you have been warned. Here is some background on haunted dolls. The earliest haunted dolls are thought to be poppets effigies, and voodoo objects created by early people for religious or ceremonial purposes. Puppets were, and I think actually might still be used, in folk magic and witchcraft. It's a doll made to represent a certain person and is used for casting spells onto that person, and not necessarily just bad spells like we think of with like voodoo dolls in movies. They could be healing spells, etc. as well. And even today, old houses are sometimes found to have puppets stuffed inside the chimneys. I have no idea what this means. There was absolutely no further explanation on this. Effigies are more often a life-size figure of a specific person, but has evolved, and this is uh, from the Wikipedia article, to be makeshift dummies used for symbolic punishment in political protests. Try saying that five times fast. Voodoo dolls, also not always for nefarious purposes, are also dolls that are used for protection of the self, home, and other. Even Egyptian priests used puppets for ceremonial purposes, such as freeing the body of curses or cursing those who went against the will of the gods. So, yes, haunted dolls, or dolls that have a supernatural connection, have been around for ages. Is this why we find some dolls so creepy, or is there more? There is psychological research about why humans see dolls as so creepy, and it has been extensively delved into. But conclusions about this vary. Psychologist Frank McAndrew, in 2013, named doll collecting as one of the creepiest hobbies an individual could have. He related its popularity to being such an exhilarating thing to collect, as it might be dangerous, but you're not sure it is. The popularity is then related to uncertainty. Some studies have shown the human mind doesn't like things that closely look like a human but do not act like a human should. So, we look at these dolls and feel uncomfortable because they are so lifelike, but we know they're not human. But our brains almost expect the dolls to act in a human-like manner. 
Over time, haunted dolls have risen in popularity with the rise of interest in horror movies and generally spooky, scary things. There's been haunted dolls on TV, haunted dolls in movies, and even as the main character of movies such as Chucky and Annabelle. But sometimes, the haunting is in real life. And today, we talk about the famous Robert the Doll, the inspiration for the movie Chucky. Robert the Doll is an antique doll that is currently on display at the East Martello Museum in Key West, Florida. Robert originally belonged to Robert Eugene Otto, an often called eccentric painter and author. He was also an architect, I learned later on in my research. In 1904, Robert Eugene Otto's grandfather was on a trip to Germany and found this doll that was reportedly manufactured by the German Steiff Company, a company that, fun fact, was created by a man who created the first teddy bear. Eugene's grandfather brought Robert the doll home and gave it to him as a birthday present. Other stories say it was a servant that gave Jean the unique doll, but the trace back to the factory in Germany remains the same. This servant was allegedly into black magic, and, off- and because of her maltreatment by the Otto family, this is the reason behind Robert being haunted. So what does Robert the doll look like? Robert is handmade. He stands 40 inches tall and is stuck- stuffed with excelsior, a wood wool. He used to have a painted face of a jester, but this has been worn off over time. My own description is he is a beautifully preserved doll, considering he is over 116 years old now. He is very large, wearing a cute little sailor suit that is said to have been Eugene's when he was growing up, and actually we have a picture, and I'm going to post it on the Instagram, of Eugene wearing the sailor outfit that Robert is wearing now. But he is wearing the cute little sailor outfit, and it's complete with a sailor hat. Robert is detailed, sporting a nose, mouth, ears, and black eyes. He has cupped hands and is wearing little leather booties. He also has a toy himself, a little brown stuffed dog with big puppy dog eyes. That's my description. Being someone who adores antiques and everything, especially toys and dolls. But here's a description from Atlas Obscura, written by Andy Wright. Quote, he's terrifying. Ostensibly, a little boy in a sailor suit, his careworn face is only vaguely human. His nub of a nose looks like a pair of pinholes. He is covered in brown nicks like scars. His eyes are beady and black. He wears a malevolent smirk. Clasped in his, ha- in his lap, he's holding his own toy, a dog with garish, popping eyes and a too-big tongue lolling crazily out of its mouth, unquote. But getting back to the boy who owned Robert the doll, Robert Eugene Otto, who was the original owner, came from a prominent family in Key West and went by the name Jean. Why his grandfather got Robert as a gift for Jean, or how, is curious. Robert was found, after some digging into the company that created him's past, to likely have never been intended to be a children's toy, but rather part of a set fabricated for a window display of clowns or jesters. Nevertheless, Jean took to Robert right away and held a relationship with the doll that lasted into adulthood. The curator of East Martello Museum said this about Jean's relationship with Robert, quote, What people really remember is what they would probably term as an unhealthy relationship with the doll. He brought it everywhere. He talked about it in the first person as if it weren't a doll. He was Robert, as in he was a live entity. Which is kind of adorable, especially with his impish behavior. It kind of suits his personality really well, unquote. Adorable, yes, except that Jean began to blame mishaps on the doll. 
They were quickly best friends, with Jean dragging the awkwardly large doll with him everywhere he went. His parents could often hear him whispering to the doll, which was fine, and something that kids do, until it wasn't. When Jean was ten, he woke up to find Robert the doll sitting on the end of his bed staring at him. What happened next, we're not sure. All we know is Jean's mother heard Jean cry for help, and heard furniture in his room being shifted. She ran for his bedroom door, only to find it was locked and she couldn't get into her child's room. When she finally managed to get in, she found the room in disarray, and Jean just a ball of fear on his bed. Robert the doll was sitting at the end of his bed, staring at him. The only thing Jean could say was, Robert did it. A phrase that would continue the rest of his life. Though you could disregard this as kids being kids, adults noticed unusual things happening around Robert as well. Robert seemed to move without anyone touching him. His face appeared to make different facial expressions, and there was some unexplained giggling noises. Jean's parents noticed that sometimes. When Jean would whisper now to Robert, a deep voice would answer back that was too low for a child. Sub-legends claim, though, the mischievous beginnings of the doll were because the blame Jean put on the doll for mishaps around the house manifested. Nevertheless, those who knew Robert believed he had an awareness of what was happening around him. Neighbors believed they saw Robert moving around the house when the family wasn't home. Once, a plumber was hired to work on the house when no one else was home. He claimed to have heard, clear as day, a child laughing. This understandably scared the plumber, who looked around the room but saw nothing except for Robert, who had moved from one side of the room to the other, with the objects that had been in Robert's lap now on the other side of the room as if he'd thrown them. These strange happenings never stopped. More nights came with screams and overturned furniture. One day, a mutilated toy appeared. And then another. And they continued to appear, with Jean always saying, Robert did it. Jean eventually did leave for a while to study art at the Academy of Fine Arts in Chicago, the Art Student League in New York, and finally the Parisian Sorbonne in Paris. And during that time, Robert stayed at the family home in Key West. When Jean grew up, he had a house he called, quote, the Artist House, where he and his wife Anne, a talented concert pianist, and Robert lived. When Jean decided that Robert needed a room of his own with a view of the street below, he, being an also very respected architect, built a room just for Roger, just for, just for Robert, I don't know why I said Roger, just for Robert in the turret. The room was complete with furniture and toys and even a teddy bear just for Robert. Robert would be positioned in the upstairs window, though some people would swear Robert would disappear and reappear from that spot. Jean's wife Anne felt uneasy about Robert and wanted Robert to be locked away, somewhere he could do no more harm. Though Jean agreed to lock Robert in the attic, Robert was unhappy with this. Soon after, footsteps could be heard pacing the attic along with what is described as devilish laughter. Children would also report that Robert was mocking them as they made their walks to school from the window. Jean was confused by this after he heard about it, seeing as he had locked Robert away, but when he opened the door to Robert's old room, guess who he found? There was Robert the doll sitting in his rocking chair by the window. I'm back. I had to go... Am I holding it the right way? Yeah. I had to go and get some tea. Because the story is so scary, I now have some nighttime tam- chamomile tea. Chamomile tea. Chamomile tea. 
Where were we? After Jean's passing in 1974, Myrtle Reuter purchased the artist's house as well as Robert. The new owner had a young daughter who was around 10 years old and was delighted when they moved in to find a new toy stashed in the attic. The excitement soon wore off when she began to tell her mother that Robert wanted to hurt her and that he was alive. Soon she began to have nightmares and scream in fear in the middle of the night, telling her parents Robert had moved around the room. When people would come to visit Myrtle, they swore they could hear footsteps and giggling from upstairs. Some people claimed that Robert's expression would change if anyone badmouthed Jean in front of him. Reuter lived with Robert for 20 years before donating him to the museum in 1994. In that time, though, Reuter swore Robert would move around the house on his own, and giggle, and have footsteps, and cause general mischief. Sadly, Myrtle passed away just a few months after donating Robert to the museum. For anyone that's interested, the artist house is now a guest house. This was not the end for Robert, though. Since coming to the museum, visitors have flocked to get a look at him. There's, a Robert, there's Robert the Doll merchandise and social media accounts, but strangest of all is the curator claims that Robert receives one to three letters a day. These letters are not your usual fan mail, though. Most of the letters are apologies. Visitors attribute failing to respect Robert or openly disrespecting him to misfortunes that occur after visiting Robert in the museum, and the letters are often begging for forgiveness. Some letters are also asking for advice or for Robert to hex those that have wronged them. At the time of one article in 2015, the museum had received over a thousand letters which were kept and catalogued. Local legend believes Robert had caused car accidents, broken bones, job loss, divorce, along with many, many other misfortunes. Those who work at the museum have reported numerous incidents with Robert, including demonic giggling, seeing his expression change, and some have even seen Robert put his hands up to the glass. But it's not just the letters. Robert also receives offerings of candy, money, and occasionally of joints. Of leaving Robert these tokens, the curator of the museum states, quote, It's completely inappropriate. We are still a museum. Unquote. So does the museum curator think Robert is truly haunted? She says, I don't know. I really don't. I've never had a bad experience with him. I've never felt uncomfortable. It's always been a very basic relationship, and I have a job to do, and I go and do it. And whether there's something to it or not, he just allows me to get on with my job. If you are visiting Robert, be careful if you want to take a photo of him. Many people allege their cameras become inoperable when attempting to take photos of Robert, only to be perfectly fine when they leave the museum. It's become custom to ask Robert's permission before taking a photo of him. There's a biography written on Robert the Doll by David Sloan, but be warned, apparently uh, things happened to David while he was writing the book, and so much so that it almost made him stop writing entirely. Robert remains encased in glass, covered by high-tech alarms at the Fort Martello Museum today. And yes, it is open during COVID, but it's best to call ahead as they do have a limited capacity. And that is the story of Robert the Doll, one of the most haunted dolls on Earth. For more information or to see pictures from this episode, check us out on our social media, at TelegnosisNT on Instagram, and at TelegnosisPod on Twitter. You can also check out our website at telegnosisnt.com 
And if you have any listener stories or any sort of supernatural, creepy, true crime, any sort of story like that, please send it to tellingnosisandt at gmail.com. We always love to hear your stories. And like I said in the beginning, we now have a Patreon, so enjoy some bonus episodes. That's all for today, folks. Have a wonderful week. I hope ever I hope things are starting to look up because they were pretty gloomy for a while. So I hope everyone is doing well and I will talk to you again soon. Bye. <laughs>